Hello and welcome to Journeys in Grace. My name is Eric Hubbard. I want to thank you for joining our podcast today and as we go into the Word of God. You can reach us first by mail at Pastor Eric at Post Office Box 4473, Marietta, Georgia 30061. Or you can email us at PastorEric523 at gmail.com. Again, that's PastorEric523 at gmail.com. So today we're going to start a new teaching talking about the presence of God, the presence of God. And I really just love this uh, this subject today because I think it's, it's personal. I think for all of us, we want to, to feel and, and to know that God is with us. And we know by faith in the New Testament that God is not only with us, he's in us. And we're going to start out today in this teaching in uh, Psalms 91. And of course, that's in the Old Testament. And it talks about the dwelling place. And again, in the New Testament believer, and again, we're going to, we're laying a foundation today, but just showing you how that God has walked us through and how that he will do this personally in your own uh, relationship with him. But how he showed us, and as it was revealed in the Old Testament, how that the father was, uh, first he was, he was with them in the garden. Uh, he worked for them as he did with Abraham. And then he worked through them as he did with uh, Moses and David. And the Lord is so good and gracious and so kind that he, being God, would would even consider man. And uh, again, one of the uh, scriptures that I quote quite a bit is Psalms 8, how that the psalmist begins to write in Psalms 8 and 4. He said, what is man that thou, uh, that, that that you would deal with him? What is man that 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 you would lower yourself? He said, you, you. You came down a little lower than the angels, and you put on this flesh. Why would you, as God, deal with man? But God loves us so. He loves us so that he was willing to come down and to, because we were constantly on his mind. And as I said earlier in, in, in earlier teaching, God is love, and love is active. Love will cause you to, to, to reach out to your loved one, reach out to the person that you adore and to that thing that you adore. But in this case, we're talking about our relationship with God and God came down for us. He had a plan for us before the very foundation of the world. As it says in Revelation 13, how that the lamb was slain and Jesus knew that he had to come down for God's creation. And so I just want to read this for clarity in Psalms 8, 4. It says, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou would visit him? For you made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You gave to him, thou madest him to have what? Dominion of the works of thy hands. And you put all things under his feet. Now, all of this is a, is a, is a, it talks about, you can, we can see Jesus in this, but we also can see what God gave to Adam. But again, as we talk about God's dwelling with us, even in the start of our relationship with him, and I'm talking about our, as in our father, um, Adam, the, the father of all things, of all men, rather, that uh, we see that after, even after Adam had broken the covenant, when the Lord told him that Adam, in the day that you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. And we see in, uh, in the book of Genesis, the third chapter, right around the seventh verse, I'm going to read a little bit. And then we're going to go on quickly over to the fourth verse, first chapter rather. But this is uh, Genesis 3 and 7. It says, and the eyes of them both were open 
And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And as it goes on to say, and the Lord called to Adam and said unto him, where art thou? In other words, where are you, Adam? And I've learned over time that whenever God asks you a question, he's not asking for information. God knew where, where they were. But he wanted Adam and Eve to recognize it, to, to, to just recognize what they had done and how that they had broken his covenant. He, and God's words, that, we, that scripture that uh, is written over in the book of Psalms as well, 8934, how he said, my covenant will not not break, nor alter the things that have gone out of my lips or out of my mouth. And what he what he said, the psalmist said in, in uh, Psalms 89 was, when God speaks a thing, it's covenant, it's law, it's a promise. It cannot be broken. And so when he told them and gave them their instructions over in uh, in the book of uh, Genesis 1, around the verses 26 to 28, and he gave them dominion and authority, he told them to go and multiply. But also there came a time in the second chapter, he told them that don't eat of this fruit. The day you do it, you shall die. But the love of God, knowing that they had broken his covenant, he didn't just destroy them. God could have wiped them out and said, okay, I'm done. I tried this. I'll start over again. But God loved us so that what did he do? He, he drove them out of the garden for one. They, if they ate of uh, the tree of life, they will remain in that stuck position of being away from God, never ever to come into his, the fullness of where he would have us to be. And so he pushed, he drove them out of the garden. And so we see now, we're going to go over to uh, the book of Genesis still in the fourth chapter. And we see how that even though they had broken his covenant, God continued to deal with them. And if you read the rest of that third chapter, you'll read how that although they had sown fig leaves to cover themselves, God found a sacrifice and he gave them animal skins to cover themselves. And as we go now, we're not gonna, I'm not going to read this uh, Genesis 4, but in your time, if you have, when you in your reading, read Genesis 4, 1 through 5, and you read how that Adam and Eve came together and they had children. They had Adam and Eve. I mean, they had uh, Cain and Abel. And how that God continued to deal with man. The love of God is so, uh, use the word expansive, so large. It's, it's so wide, it's so deep that he continued to deal with them. Because if you listen to most, they will say, well, you know what, God, you know, I I know I did. I thought, I said, well, okay, God, they drove him out of the garden. And so God just was in the garden, the heaven, ready to strike him down and 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 get rid and and for anything they did, he was ready to punish them. No, he taught them through relationship, even with Cain and Abel. He taught them that yes, this is how our relationship has got to be now. When you come to me, there must be a sacrifice. When you bring an offering, bring the first of what you what you uh which of your increase, and you if when, when your your if your offering is pleasing, it will be well with you. And so I won't go on to, to the death of Abel. And, and we know that uh, uh, God dealt with Cain, but 
what the point I'm trying to make is that God kept talking to them even after they failed. And even after Cain had murdered Abel, the Lord continued to talk with him because he's a loving God. He's a God that's forever reaching out to his children. Because Christianity is not a, a uh, what I would call, we know it falls under the monarchy of, of, of religion, but Christianity is, it has to be lived. It's about relationship. And see, if we're in relationship with God, we will learn within ourselves that we get to know him by dwelling in his presence, by living, by staying, by, by, uh, by camping out in his, uh, in his presence and learning about him. Learn about who the father is and his great love for us, all the great promises he had for, has for us. He said over in the book of uh, the book of, of, of Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, I know the thoughts I have toward you. All of the thoughts, all of the all of our futures are good in the eyes of God when we follow his plan, even when things don't look right, even when they don't work out the way we think they should work out, even when we have questions that are unanswered uh, in this life. And it appears to be, you know, that's the confusion. But when we wait on him. He will bring revelation. He will bring clarity and he will bring the wisdom and knowledge to where if we wait, we will see the wisdom of what God is doing when we continue on in his will. So again, in Genesis 3 and Genesis 4, we see how that God, the relationship between God and man was, was, was so that God wanted to be with his children. And even after they failed, he kept talking to his children because he loved them. And we know that as we go on through Noah and all the other patriarchs that came before between Noah and, and Abraham, we see how, how the father dealt with them. But in Abraham, God found a man that he could be in covenant with, that, that would walk before him. Because when God met Abraham and we, we've, uh, we, all know the story how that in, in Genesis 12, when the Lord spoke to him, he told him, Abraham, come out from your country, leave your family, all, all, all of mom and him, all of everybody, because I've got something for you. And because Abraham was willing to walk out by faith, and even he when he started out, he didn't do it perfectly, but he left in obedience to what God had had for him and trusting him. In a land, God did not tell him everything. He said, no, you got to trust me. Because if you trust him, you will find him faithful. You will find him that he is the God that keeps his word. He is the God that is faithful. And so when we go over to now to uh, Genesis 15, Abraham has left. He's left his land of his father. He's left as he and his uh, nephew Lot have separated. And we're going to go down to Genesis 15. And uh, let's go to Genesis 15 and 9, and we're going to read some about what how God is preparing Abraham for the future and what he's going to do for him. And see, with God, offerings are many are, are part of our relationship or worship of him. And many want to say, well, you know, it doesn't matter how much you give. It matters when God gives you instructions. And one of the things he asked for us before the law was to give a tenth. 
And you see it with Abraham. You see it with his son, uh, Jacob. You see it, uh, of course, it's within the law. When they were to give uh, a tenth, they gave a tenth of everything. So why would we, and, 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 and now in our times of grace, when God has forgiven us of all our sins, past, present, and future, he spoke of it in Hebrews 8 and also in Hebrews 10, how he says there's our sin and iniquities, he will remember no more. Because when Jesus died for us, he, his grace says, I love you when, you when you're up. I love you when you're down. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you to the end of the world. And so with a faithful God who wants relationship with his children, he shows us again about that he will be with us. He will, he will work for us. And not only that, but he'll work, he will come in us to work through us. All being sons of Abraham, and because now we are under grace, we are not only sons of Abraham uh, by, by, by the Spirit, but in the Old Testament, it was the blood sons of Abraham. In the New Testament, it's the, the, it's all the righteous sons of Abraham, because we have obtained the, the promises of Abraham by faith. Abraham was declared righteous, but God showed him by manifesting himself to him. There were times when God showed them in dreams and in visions because he wanted them to know, I'm with you. He came down as, as, as an angel and he walked among them. Even when he went to Solomon Gomorrah, the father went in the presence of angels where they could see what was going on. But let's go now to uh, Genesis 15 and we see that the father now is establishing this covenant with Abraham. Genesis 15, 9 says, and he said unto him, this is God speaking, take uh, you and a heifer of three years old, and a she goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And Abraham took all these, divided them in the midst, lay each piece one against another, but the birds he divided not. So this was the bloody place, because in the Old Testament and in the New, covenant was struck, or covenants were, 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 were opened by blood, by shedding of blood. And this is what God is doing now. He's showing Abraham, I am establishing a covenant with you, but I'm going to show you how good he is. Because God knew that Abraham could not keep this covenant faithfully as he would. Because God is a faithful God. He's, you're never going to find him slack. You're never going to find him breaking his promise. But as we're going to go down, let's go down now to the 17th verse. And it talks about how that Abraham, a deep sleep fell upon him and he saw a vision of things that were happening in his sleep. And it goes on to say here in uh, a 17th chapter, I believe Abraham now, it says that, and it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp passed between the pieces. Now, if you think about this, that's symbolism and as imagery. It says a a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. I believe that burning lamp, burning uh, smoking furnace represented God. And that burning lamp represented uh, uh, the Savior. Jesus and the Father were walking between the, uh, uh, walking between the animals, between the sacrifices that were, they were laid down. Tradition said that when people, when men made covenant, covenants, they always would cut their, their, their palms, sometimes their wrists, and the blood of one will be joined with the blood of others. It was a blood covenant that would never be broken. It would only be broken by death. And so 
instead of Abraham and God walking between the, the uh in the blood, Jesus and God walked between the blood. Because Jesus represented us. Even in the Old Testament, he was representing Abraham because Abraham couldn't faithfully keep that covenant, just like what Jesus has done for us in the New Testament. Jesus was the one that lived out the perfect example of keeping the law. And Jesus was the one that came down from heaven and bare the sins of all men. Only God could, could live and die as a man to keep the covenant. And because he was able and Jesus was the fit example, he was the, he was the, he was the God man, fully God and fully man. And he came as a man and he walked between with God here in the Old Testament for a covenant that was between God and Abraham. But Jesus was the substitute and he walked for Abraham because God is a God of relationship. He is a God of love. And he comes down to worship with us. He doesn't ask us to reach up to him because that's when you have religion. Whenever you find man establishing rules, establishing uh, uh, tenets about what we should do, giving up all the do's and the don'ts, there are many religions in the world because that's man's reach to God. But when God won't come to man, he establishes relationship. That's why Jesus has come that he would, he said, my, I and my father come to the door and knock. And whoever would open unto us, he said, we will come in and sup with him. So in other words, God said, I will come in and dwell with you. I'll come in and establish relationship with you because you want to have relationship with me. That's why it doesn't matter how deep you are in sin, how far you have fallen, how dreadful your sin. If you, the scripture says in Romans 8th chapter, 10th chapter, it talks about how that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what grace is all about. It's about the relationship and God allowing us to dwell in his very presence. The holy God, the good God, the faithful God comes to an unfaithful man and said, I'll make covenant with you. But because I know you can't keep it, I sent my son so he could fulfill all the law. And then he could be the sacrifice. And when he died, as as uh, as Galatians uh, 20, 20 talks about, says, let's go there real quick. Uh, Galatians, I think we read a little bit of it last week. This is Galatians 20, uh, second chapter. We're going to read this in the Galatians, I'm sorry, 2 and 20. Galatians 2 and 20. And it talks about what Jesus did for us. And I've read this many times, but I think it's, is a good point here to, to just read what Jesus did for us. He said that I am crucified. This is Paul talking to the Galatian, Galatian church. He says, I am crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. He said, in other words, when Jesus was crucified, I was crucified. When Jesus was crucified, if you're a believer, you were crucified. You were in Christ. Then he says, nevertheless, I live. So in other words, when Jesus died, I didn't die. But Jesus died as me. And because he died as me, when I receive him, I receive the forgiveness of sin. Because I was crucified also. He said, he said nevertheless, I live. Yet not I. He said, but in my living, although when Christ died, I died, but I didn't die. But yet when I live, I'm not the one that's living. Why? Because he says, but Christ 
liveth in me. Jesus is in me now. He dwells in you now. And he goes on to say, and the life which I now live in the flesh, guess what? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What Paul is saying here is all that Christ did on the cross, he did it as me. All that he suffered, he did it for me. When he rose, I rose. When he died, I died. When he rose, I rose. When he rose victoriously, when he rose as a champion, when he rose as as as, as Lord and sat down at the right hand of the Father, then I sit at the right hand of the Father. That's why I said a few lessons ago that even now, although we are in this natural body, although we are in the flesh right now and we're living in the earth, we now are in heavenly places. As Jesus reigns, we, we reign. That's why John 4, 1 uh, John 4, uh, 17 talks about that as he is, so are we in this life. As Jesus sits beside the Father, I sit beside the Father. I have the same rights as Jesus has. Why? Because in Matthew, he says, all power in heaven and earth have been given unto me. And he says, I give you power. I give you what? Authority. Because I have authority. I've got the right to give it to those who would trust in me. And when he, what did he say to Philip? He said, Philip, you've touched me and you believe, but blessed are those who have yet not seen me, yet believe. I have never seen him with my natural eyes, but I know he lives in me because I now dwell in the secret place and that secret place is in his presence. And as I walk in his word, as I yield to the uh, ministry of the Holy Spirit in me, then Christ also lives in me. He lives in me. And as he walked between those that sacrifice, which he gave to, uh, uh, which Abraham offered unto God. And as God declared Abraham righteous because of his faith, because I am a believer now, when God called him righteous, I'm righteous. Abraham discovered that by his faith, God said, you're right. In other words, you're clean. You are sanctified. You are sanctified by your faith, not by what you do, but by what you believe. What does Jesus say? You, Eric, you are saved. Mary, you are saved. Uh, uh, Sandra, uh, Jim, Michael, Mike, uh, whomever, whatever your name may be. You are saved and righteous today as you will ever be. In your spirit, your natural man, as Romans 12, 1, 2, and 3 talks about, that, that, uh, that, that soulless man, rather, he's got to be modified. He's got to be transformed into the image of Christ by the word of God. So as we move on and we wrap up today, um, we're going to go now to, I've got time for one more. We're going to go over to, I'm going to go to, if you would take your time out and take time and read um, the book of, uh, still in Genesis, Genesis 28. Let me go, I'm just going to read, I'm going to see if I can read this one pretty quick. Genesis 28 and, uh, what is that? Genesis, I think I changed something real quick. Oh, here we are. Genesis 28. I'm going to read this, how that uh, God talked to Jacob. I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm going to be doing this justice, so we'll see how far I get in this. This is God dealing with Jacob. Jacob now has taken the blessing from his brother. Now, can you think about this now? The law is no, there is no law. But Jacob 
knowing the power of the blessing, knowing the words of his father spoken in faith over him could not be broken, nor could they be taken back. Jacob took the blessing of his uh, brother Esau and his mother sent him away. He said, go, go to my brother's house. You go let live. And on the way, this man, whose name means cunning, slick, conniving, he goes and he meets God because God had purpose for him. And you'll read later on how did God change his name from Jacob to Israel. So we'll read, let's read some in um, the book of Genesis, 28th chapter. We're going to start reading at the 10th verse. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. And this is, Haran is where uh, Abraham came from, he and Sarah. He lighted, he, he lighted means that he stayed in a place, tarried there all night because the sun was set and he took the stones of the place, put them for his pillow and laid down the place to sleep. And the Bible says he dreamed a dream in the, tw in the 12th verse. And then he begins to see, see something. He says, at the top of it, he said, in his dream, a ladder went up to the heavens and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascended and descended. And what did he say? Behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac, and the land where you lie, to you will I give it and to your seed. And 2015 verse says, Behold, I am with you. He's talking to Jacob. I will keep you in all places where you go. I will bring you to your, this land again. He says, I won't leave you until I have done that, which I have spoken unto thee. See, the presence of God was going to be with him. But see, Jacob had some changes that, that as you follow his life in the next few chapters about the thing that changes in him, his attitude, his, 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 his realization of what God just gave him. And see, we all have a walk in this life. We all have to travel uh, uh, this path that God has laid out for us. And prayerfully, you are stronger. If you've been saved for a number of months, a number of years, you ought to be stronger now than when you started out. But Jacob now is starting his walk with God. Although he was in his father's house, he was not uh, 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 in this place where God has taken him. He's now in his, in his, in his, uh, in, on this journey. Jacob is about to go to school now. And the father's about to teach him some things. And through all the things that he's going to go through, good and bad, the father is with him. And when he finally recognizes, and again, I'm paraphrasing about 10 chapters. Uh, Jacob's going to recognize that what his father spoke on him is what he needs to utilize to become the man that God wants him to be. It wasn't about all the effort that he gave. It wasn't about all the years he gave for his two wives. It wasn't about all the sons that he had. It was about what, what his father, the true words, the prophetic words that uh, Isaac spoke over him is what finally broke, because the breakthrough and transform Jacob's life. But I want to go down to the last portion of this. And it talks about how that, uh, let's go down to the 19th verse. That's our 18th verse, same chapter. And Jacob, Jacob rose up early in the morning, took the stone that he had put out for a pillow and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God be with me 
and will keep his way, keep me in this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I can come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. What Jacob was saying, what if God is faithful, then I'll serve him as God. And he wrote, as he said, last verse, he said, and this stone, which I have set for a pillar, shall be God's house. And of all that, that, he, that thou give to me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. See, tithing was before the law. It was before Moses. This was established as God had done in Abraham's life. And I believe his father Isaac. I don't, and also in this, his son Jacob. Jacob had a heart. Although he didn't do everything right, although he stole the blessing, his brother gave it to him, but he connived his father and, 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 and got it. The point I'm trying to make is, because I want to tell you something, sometimes when we see things happening, we wonder why. Why did God allow this to happen? Why didn't he open the eyes and reveal this to uh, uh, Isaac, that Jacob was not his son? But when the sons were born, when Jacob and Esau were born, the word of God came to the uh, the mother and said, the elder will serve the younger. And if you go on and read in the, in the New Testament and follow the, the, the word spoken over Jacob and Esau, the scripture says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated because God knew the heart of Esau. Esau did not have a heart to follow after God. He did not have a heart to follow after God's purposes. He did not have a heart that would be a, so that he would be a worshiper. He's the season. You see all of his decisions from uh, selling his birthright from for, for food to uh, to when he chose a wife instead of him going and 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 being obedient 